What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest believes that great design works on multiple levels. He has completed over 150 projects. He designs seamless physical experiences tailored to a client's individuality. He is the owner and co-founder at Meyer Davis Studios Incorporated. Ladies and gentlemen, Will Meyer. Welcome, Will. Dan, it's a pleasure to be here. It's really so awesome to be here. And I don't know how many people know this, but I, I like to do a little part at the beginning of intro to kind of describe how we all came to be at this moment sitting here with each other. And obviously we work in the same arena. You're designing places. I'm, fur I'm furnishing them. Um, but our kids went to the same nursery school and uh, gra uh, grammar school in New York City. And we have a lot of mutual friends. And what many of you may not know is that my children were in a friend's science fiction short film, David Gaddy, it was called A Beautiful Dreamer. And then you also, I donated my children to the part. And then you donated your house to have it filmed for part of there. So here we are um, with your site location and my semi-famous children who are not really famous at all. Well, I, first of all, our children going to school together, we got to be friends early on and we started working together. So mm -hmm. that's always a great way to create a village in terms of, um, you know, living in the same community, kids going to the same school, working on the same projects. Um, it, it just shows that life is somewhat of a full circle. And um, that circle gets smaller and smaller um, when you mentioned David Gaddy's Beautiful Dreamer film yes. which everybody out there should download and watch it's a little short film but very heady sci-fi um story um, I, I find that any science fiction or any other story that messes with the space-time continuum is really mind-blowing because I have such a hard time getting my head around it and it's interesting because you say you know as we gain all of this experience in our lives, our circle gets much smaller, right? And so now here we are coming full circle. Um, and then if I wonder like if you were to be able to go back in time and change things, we'll get there later. But like, I love thinking about that like alternate reality. How can we go back and do this? But David Gaddy and Beautiful Dreamer did an amazing job of uh, helping us think about those possibilities. I love it. You're going deep already. It's 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 getting off to a big start. Can't well, wait and, to and, do a deep dive. Yeah, and I miss David Gaddy so very very much, and um, I'm just excited to see him this summer out in Fire Island. It, it, it's warming up and just all very exciting. Excellent. No, we 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 miss the Gaddies too. So um, this was our the portion of our talk that we praised David Gaddy. So yes, did so, we, did yeah. we check that box. Yeah, check that box. Let's move on. So um, I guess most recently we saw each other at the um, HD Summit down in Miami. 
And it was interesting because we were at a table having breakfast with all of these other, um, I guess, competitors of yours, but really colleagues, just, you know, people also designing built environment, designing hotels, restaurants, bars, resorts. And what was interesting to me is that there's this kind of provenance of so many people in our industry that, oh, they started up under Michael Bedner or they started up under Trish Wilson, or, you know, there's so many others that, you know, were the, the OG hotel designers, right? But I was amazed that I really got the feeling that you and Gray kind of poof came out of nowhere and just have built this incredible business, um, working on incredible projects everywhere. And you've kind of done it kind of coming out of a vacuum or coming out of a black hole from somewhere to go back into the space-time continuum and have just really charted this amazing path forward. So I just wanted to kind of hear about your origin story. Looking back on our 22-year history, it's a great question that you just asked because I rarely go back to thinking about the beginning uh, and the origins. But early on, Gray and I... um, being architecturally educated and working on larger scale architectural residential projects, realized that we wanted to bring that world into hospitality. And we had the idea of moving into that hospitality space in hotels and restaurants and and that world. And we, I can't say any other way besides we just sort of willed it to happen. We put ourselves out there we chased projects in that arena and we, we learned about that world. And I think because we approached it in that sort of, um, I would say in a kind of a, uh, do I wanna say the word naive? I'm not sure I do, but we approach it in a fresh way where we didn't have any preconceptions about that world. We approached You know what? It- I wanna go right into that naive thing because I think that's, really at the crux of this origin story. And I think that that naivete, or even there's a a book that's called Rookie Smarts that I read. And it's how when you bring up new people or you're you're mentoring a a young, an up and comer within your industry or your company or just somewhere from within your community, it's really interesting because the people who don't have that institutional knowledge, so to speak, often come up with the best and newest and most creative and freshest ideas. So I love that you did say naive. And it's this whole idea of like, how can you get fresh eyes, thoughts, and thinking on these challenges and constraints? And how do you push the the envelope on them to create something new? Well, I think that uh, you're touching on uh, something that now that we've been in the industry for so long, you're inspiring me to get back in touch with my inner rookie good uh, so that we can keep on bringing freshness to the to the to the world through hospitality I, I love it and I also think where where you and gray you know from doing your residential thing and 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 also you know over the past 20 years just saying hey we got to really get into hospitality and do do more hotel projects how did you I guess like take us even a step further back. I want to know how did you meet Gray? Like where did, what was your first encounter with him? Where what was like where did you guys know that the light went off and you're like, "Oh wow, 
we are meant for each other. Well, Gray and I met in architecture school at Auburn University. Um, he was um, in fifth year uh, architecture school. I was in first year. Um, we had a couple of mutual friends. Gray says he doesn't really remember me from school. Um, but I, you, when you're a, young, an, a, a younger classman, you know the upperclassmen, right? Yeah. When you're an older classman, you just don't, just, you don't really know your, your, um, the lowly younger students. But um, we did have several mutual friends um, that uh, connected us when we both were in New York. And we had um, a, a few professors that we both really loved from Auburn that uh, would visit New York and get have get togethers with us there and uh, encourage us to get together and form an office. And that was the impetus to, that, you know, Gray and I didn't really ever think of it until um, this one professor, uh, David Brawley, suggested it. Uh, at a little dinner we were having and we kind of looked at each other and thought, you know, it, that kind of makes sense. And, um, and the rest is history. Are you still in touch with David Brawley? Yes. Uh, he is, um, he's a, a beautiful uh, painter um, and does architectural uh, murals and paintings. And, um, and he, he, he's just a creative uh, guy, he's, he's an amazing um, teacher, amazing painter, and uh, someone that we we still keep in touch with. So, what's interesting is if going back to that idea of naivete or rookie smarts, right? There's so many times in all of the conversations and meetings and collisions that we all have, where someone is like, "Oh, you should talk to this person," or "You should talk to this person." I would say most of us, or I'll speak for myself. I love connecting people, but there are times when I'm just closed off to that opportunity of that collision and where other people can see that this one plus one equals three, or in your case of Will and, and or of you and Gray, it's um, one plus one could equal five. So when David said that, how did you know that that was a special moment when he was connecting you two? And you didn't just let that like many other connections or conversations kind of go by, oh, that would be nice. How did you know that it was like a real deep connection? Well, Gray and I always, had, we had always gotten along very well. And, but I also knew how talented Gray was. Um, and I, I think that uh, knowledge was, was sort of, and respect was, was mutual. Mm -hmm. um, and we also have the same kind of um, you know, kind of, I would just say a, a, a similar demeanor and um, personalities that are compatible. But you know, we, we, Gray and I have never really had any um, uh, blow ups with each other or anything like that. We just always, there's a mutual respect. And, um, and I think it's because we recognize that the best idea is the best idea. And it doesn't matter where it comes from. Um, and that's true between the two of us, but also true with our entire staff. We, mm -hmm. we get ideas, we collaborate, we, we work to find what's best. And it's, there's no sense of the authorship or 
um, ego in the room. It's really about making the best possible spaces, the most enlightening experiences. Um, and it, it's not about who it came from. It's about what it is. Yeah. So hearing about your and Gray's successful partnership, thinking about all of the other partnerships that we hear, I would say like so many partnerships don't work. Many do, but many don't. Um, how do you, how do you and Gray as partners connect and make sure that you guys are fully in alignment as you're going through your day-to-day -day and growing and just making sure that you guys are working truly as partners and building all the success that you guys have built over the years? Um, you know, day-to-day, -day, Gray and I start with a call before the workday begins. Mm -hmm. um, um, it starts off as a social call, you know, how's the weather? What'd you do last night? Um, boring things like that. What do you, you know, just small talk. And then it works its way into, um, did you see that drawing that came in last night? What'd you think about it? I was thinking about this plan, you know, the circulations kind of funny. Let's, let's get that worked out. Um, you know, then to business talk, you know, does, you know, has this client paid? What's the, you know, what's going on with this contract? It's, it's, we cover all the important, you know, mm -hmm. touch points in, you know, the first 10 or 15 minutes of the day. And then the day unfolds and we get on, uh, we go to our meetings, we get on our Zooms, we run to the airport, um, whatever the day entails. A lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so going back to when you and Gray first started doing um, your residential work, and then when you made that switch, like walk us, you, you said that you had this feeling that you knew you had to get into hotels. Walk us through that first kind of residential, the transition from the residential to your first commercial project. And like, how did you know that that was your, your calling as a partnership? Well, you know, early on, you know, we started in 1999 and we started off with um, houses, um, apartments, but, um, but one of our earliest projects that a lot of people don't know about was the, the V bar in Las Vegas with, we did in 2000. Um, and it was with David Rabin and Will Regan. And their idea was to introduce this cool New York drinks bar, cocktail bar in Las Vegas. And believe it or not, it wasn't the, a common thing in Las Vegas. It was, uh, you know, fanny packs and, you know, not really sexy looking crowd. Fanny and packs are coming back. They, you know, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to sort of <laughs> offend anyone. The little Chanel ones. I, I see them a lot. All those it's, little designer fanny packs. They're, they're making, they're rearing their heads they're, up. They're rearing. Yeah. No, no pun intended. No, but they, um, um, they, Will and David had this idea of introducing this to Las Vegas. So we designed this amazing, sexy cocktail bar called the V bar in the Venetian in mm -hmm. year 2000. And it sort of, I feel like that sort of ushered in um, the sort of avalanche of 
cool uh, bars and um, uh, nightlife into Las Vegas that was previously not really there. I remember that it was super elevated and that whole Venetian experience. Um, well, I'm actually, when I first went to Venice um, and I went into St. Mark's Square, I was like, oh, wow, this kind of looks like Las Vegas. I was very uh, upset with myself that my first memory of, or my first association with my experience in Venice was the actual Venetian. It was pretty crazy from just that heightened level of theater. Um, how did you wind Dan, up? Dan, that's getting back to your, you know, time continuum uh, yes. idea that you that started this whole conversation. <laughs> totally. It was mind bending. Um, I didn't like it very much that that, that, that happened. Ugh. But um, how did you wind up going from more residential projects to get, that's like a pretty high profile in 1999 or 2000, that was like the place to be. And it still is like, as far as all of the conferences and a lot of the, the higher end business travel, it all goes there. But like, how did you wind up securing that job? Well, we had, we knew David and Will um, just socially in New York. Um, mm. And it just kind of came out of a conversation. Um, so we enjoyed that as one of our first projects. And then we continued on into, you know, more and more residential projects. But then in 2004, we designed a, a great little restaurant in the West Village called Moss Farmhouse, which is sadly no longer there. And, um, but it was, it was, again, super cool, beautiful, sexy space um, that had, uh, it was a really amazing culinary experience. And um, again, you know, these were two special projects that out of, you know, the first, you know, I would say 15, 20 projects we did, these two really were exciting to us. Mm -hmm. And we, we realized this wasn't our, you know, main part of our business, but we, we really liked it. Mm -hmm. So we, we had that kind of moment of realization that, um, you know, the, these projects excite us and we're really offering something to the design world that's not really out there. So we, 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 took a, we took stock in what we had done and thought, you know, the world needs more of this. So, okay, I see the excitement as you're kind of walking back memory. You're going into that black hole of the memory and traveling back in time. And I see the excitement. And if between Mass, Moss Farmhouse and um, the V-Bar, if you could, in that excitement and what was different from what was already in the marketplace, if you will, and with your rookie smarts approaching these two, a bar and a restaurant, um, what do you think, what was a theme or a unifying idea or thesis that you, you think generated so much of that excitement and kind of changed your your the arc of your company and your partnership well it was it was creating warmth and uh, kind of a residential uh tactile experience within a hospitality space and i saw how people responded to it and mm -hmm. it was it was something special we we noticed people responding to that that world that we were creating, these environments we were creating in a, in a really positive way. And, you know, like any uh, performer or artist or 
anything, I think you, you, you get a feed of energy off of um, how the audience perceives your work. And I think that's also a great transition as far as that residential feel. And it was just different. And you could see the excitement from the people interacting with your built environment that you designed. But as you take that onto this off-ramp, which really turned into be an on-ramp into this fa- building this fabulous business uh, and working on some of, like, some of the most incredible projects over the past 20 years. Um, how did that help you define and identify and connect with what hospitality is? Well, um, that's, that's an interesting question because with, our, with the, you know, the lion's share of our work being residential, and only having a couple of hospitality projects, it um, we did have that realization that these worlds and these demographics weren't drastically different. the The people that we were designing houses for go to the restaurants that we were designing, and the people that go to the restaurants we were designing live in houses that we design. So knowing that demographic and the multi you know, faceted sides of their wants and needs in terms of their environment that they appreciate. Um, there's things to find uh, throughout that exposure to these different worlds that are actually much more similar than they are different. And then in as you started that study into hospitality and taking these residential um, sensibilities over and seeing how people reacted how do you like and and then the evolution that you've had since then how do you define hospitality today as as you will or you and or or you and gray how do you guys define hospitality gray and i look at hospitality as an elevated sense of the home a heightened sense of residential comforts and elements that create a new space within the hospitality world that make people feel comfortable, make people feel inspired, that create a new turning of the dial of their experience in the hospitality world, but grounded by that sense of residential home feel that makes people feel comfortable. And I know that we're talking about you and Will as a partnership and that since David Browley, Browley introduced uh, David you guys. Brawley. Yeah. Brawley, Brawley. Since he introduced you to, um, you didn't do it alone. Like it started off as the two of you, but what also is amazing about what you and Gray have built is you attract some of the, like the, the coolest, most fun, most creative, most talented teammates to come work with you and that you mentor what do you think the great teams that you've built over the years and then they've gone and done other things and you people stay and go but it's almost like where we started talking about how there was the Michael Bedner or the Trish Wilson who launched all these careers like how you've also done that on your own coming into this from a, a residential world like how do how are you attracting and improving, I don't know, how are you attracting and mentoring all of these great people that have, that come work with you guys? 
So Dan, it's, I'm really glad you asked about that aspect because it's been, you know, me talking about, you know, Gray, you and I talking about Gray and Will and, you know, all this, you know, this partnership, which is the, you know, that's, that was the beginning of everything. But what we, what we do at Meyer Davis is we, we do, we create that space for uh, talent to uh, convene and, mm-hmm. um, when we have that sort of open-mindedness in terms of the best idea is the best idea, you tend to attract cool people that love that freedom and that thrive off of that sense of collaboration that Gray and I try to kind of maintain that space to let that happen. And we've been blessed with this amazing chemistry that we created over the years where people come and they have that opportunity for that creative freedom and they take that out to the world, whether it be in our office when they work with us or um, when people decide they want to do something else, we support that. And we love to see those seeds go out into the world and, and, and do great things. So it, it brings us a lot of joy to see that happening in, in our world. I want, and also I want to dig, and you've said it a couple of times and I, I know you truly believe this. And I think actually that is why you attract such great talent as well. But it really is that I've seen, heard, and just not just from you and talking to you, but also people that work for you and have worked for you. The best idea is the best idea. And to me, as an outsider, what I'm hearing is, look, you might be that rookie coming in, but you're going to have a whole different sensibility. You're going to have a great idea. And you know what? Ego aside, that best idea is going to win. Am I seeing that correctly as an outsider? Yes, you are. I think, um, no, look, it's, it's, it's fun to watch people grow and people have, you know, the, their aha moments and, um, and, and find something that we encourage and they focus on and, and make it better. We, it's, it's when you see this happening day in, day out and over the years, you, you realize that you create a special environment for people to grow and become strong creatives and take that out to the world. So it, it does give us energy to watch that energy be born and, and flourish. Yeah. And it's, and for a lot of these conversations that I'm having, the ones that were like kind of where things that really resonate with me is you know, nurturing this young talent and letting their best ideas win and being like, hey, go for it, make it happen. Can you think of an example of a a new teammate, a new um, new hire, someone who's, you know, in that, the rookie smart kind of idea where they're, they're working on their first or second project and they come up with an idea that just really resonates and is memorable for you that really made a project super special? Are, are you, you're looking for, sorry, are you looking for like a specific example of someone kind of doing Yeah, just like an mind? example, either um, specifically about a, a person or just in general on a project, like, oh my God, we did this project and we had this challenge and one of our new teammates came in and was like, Hey, let's think about it this way. And then it like ran, it, it, it basically changed the tenor of the project. Um, I mean, what you're, what you're asking is, is, uh, is so commonplace that it literally happens multiple times <laughs> every day. 
there's I, I could I could rack my brain and think about the most recent one or the first one, but it would be we could spend all day long talking about that. But that's truly because the best idea is the best idea. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, and look, you know, for finding the best idea, there's you know, there's probably a hundred bad ideas that come before that too. So it's right. it's, it's editing and and finding a project um, through iteration. And um, and finding a you know what what's what's the essence of a project and discovering that and I think it sometimes it comes to you quickly sometimes it takes a lot of work and you know when we talk about collaboration within our office uh, that's that's half the equation the other half is working with our amazing partners and our brands um, and people that we work with in the industry you know from you know, Four Seasons to Mandarin Oriental to Rosewood to Auberge to W Hotels. It, it just, the list goes on and, and apologies if I left people off with a short list, but it's just, it goes on and on. Um, and we, we discover new things about ourselves by working with experts in our industry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think we all get a, get, energized from these deep dives into what each property wants to be they all they all find their own road and our work tends to look like where it is and who it's about rather than look like us if that makes any sense 100 percent. and i think a great example of that from a recent thing that i've seen and i'm a little bit of a fanboy on and you mentioned w hotels but that w hotel you did in rome it was in rome right Yes, we just finished that property. So that's a great example of like Rome has its own unique, it's Rome. Like there's no comparison to that to anywhere else in the world. But it's such, you guys really kind of, I think it was like super different from anything that I've seen in a really long time. Walk walk us through that one. So the W Rome, which just opened a couple of months ago, uh, we're actually Gray and I are traveling to on Monday for the official grand opening party. Hashtag Live Eternal um, was um, uh, a, a really fun deep dive into the history of Rome. We we what we loved about Rome, what we found and we created our narrative around was that it's the eternal city, and what makes it amazing is these layering of eras and culture and architecture and design that um, is special because of, of, of all of the layers on top of each other. Um, you're inspired by ancient you know, buildings, from Renaissance buildings, to mid-century buildings, to modern buildings, and all of that um, art, architecture, sculpture, um, design layered on um, is what makes Rome special. So the interior of the W Rome is this amalgamation of all those layers and really um, e- e- exploring and finding all of those and putting them all together in one palette. We always say our design inspiration is, uh, you know, edited less, you know, what's the essence? We turn that on its head at W Rome. With W Rome, it was more is more is more is more. We just wow. um, kind of let it all kind of get out there. And 
um, it's an explosion of color and design and stone and wood and metal and lighting and um, really an exercise in um, uh, maximalism. Oh, I like that maximalism. I, I didn't realize it was opening next week. I, for some reason, I thought it was open already. So the time well, it's, is, it's, is great it's, here. It's open and running, but the, but the, but the big party, Gray and I are, uh, rarely miss a, a, a big party. So we're, we're going to be there for that. Are you going to be dressed in a toga or as a gladiator? We are, it's full toga. Um, <laughs> and, um, and it'll be a big toga party. Yeah. Good. Um, I actually just recently got back. Ray and I'll be wearing coordinated, color coordinated uh, togas. I love it. Um, I recently got back from Paris and I hadn't been there in a while. You can edit that if you want to. No, no, no. (laughs) We're going to keep that in there. uh, Unless you want. But um, I recently got back from Paris. And one of the things that struck me about Paris was it's so beautiful and so um, nice and put together and clean. Whereas I think what I love about Rome and I love that idea of maximalism and layer upon layer, because Rome has this grittiness with all of these, it's like grittiness within a jewel box, if you will. And I think like just from the shots that I've seen of some of, some of the um, areas that you've done at that hotel, it's um, I totally see that maximalism and it, it, and Rome embraces its grittiness. Whereas I think Paris is trying, Paris tries to clean it up and they're both, they're, it's both great experiences. They're just different. Um, but I love the, all the layers of Rome. And I think you really did capture that in that project. Thank you. No, it's, it's really, it's a really fun property. And, um, if you have a chance to get to Rome sometime soon, um, you have to make sure you, you get there, uh, to everyone out there because it's, um, the Rome is, is experiencing there. There are a lot of new, properties that are happening there and there's a lot of sort of I would say there's a there, I see a lot of new interest in Rome from travelers to designers and there's a lot of relevance to what Rome is is uh, is doing now in addition to Rome will what is exciting you most about the future um, we are working on several new really interesting projects. We're doing um, a new Four Seasons in the Red Sea in Saudi Arabia. That's um, a Norman Foster designed property that um, for the architecture um, and it's a a low impact environmental um, sustainable project where these very light structures um, touch on this island in the Red Sea and um, our design is based on this kind of nomadic journey. Um, so that's a really interesting, <clears throat> that's a very interesting project. We're doing um, uh, a really uh, beautiful new, uh, this is a branded residential tower that we're doing in Miami and Brickle for Baccarat. Great. Um, which is really amazing because it's, it's the, the, the hotel in New York is so beautiful that Gilles Bossier designed several years ago. And this will be the next Baccarat property, um, but it's bringing that, that sense of uh, French crystal craft that's this amazing precision world um, and, and finding out how that works in the tropics in Miami mm-hmm. and how, what makes that beautiful and relevant there 
that's a very fun project. Um, that's an exciting one because I have to say that Baccarat in New York, I think that's one of my favorite, definitely top three favorite hotel experiences. I didn't work on it in any way, shape or form, but I've done staycations there a bunch of times and it is just amazing. Just from obviously the built environment, the aesthetic, but also just the people that work there care in such a incredible way. Uh, I love it. Um, Another project that, I, that we absolutely love that just opened as well is the new uh, Auberge Iterio, which is in Riviera Maya. Oh, great. Um, just opened in the new year and um, the photography is just coming back from it. It's, it's truly special. We worked with Kemper Hires as the creative director of Auberge and I think um, it's, it's something truly special. It doesn't look like anything in Mexico or the rest of the world for that matter. Um, and in our earlier discussions of how residential becomes relevant in a heightened theatrical way in design, this is a true example of, of that. That's, that comes together in this really beautiful, comfortable, unique setting there on the Riviera Maya coast. And what do you think is the most unique um, experience or, or, or moment within that hotel? Like what, what excites you the most about that one? Um, you know, upon entry, you, you, be, you enter into this almost a village of structures um, with a kind of joined by this water feature that you walk along this promenade and off of that promenade surrounded by water, you have these beautifully designed structures that become the spa, the wellness center, the, you know, all the amenities are sort of uh, spokes off of that main promenade. And then you move across the mangroves. Um, the, the, just to go back, the entire building is set within this beautiful carpet of, of mangroves and we, mm -hmm. Um, the developers were able to um, work with the government to preserve, um, you know, like 90% of the mangroves or some, some percentage like that. And this building is a very light footprint on top of that carpet of green. So you're, you're, you're hovering above these, these, these mangroves and the buildings sort of have this light um, impact on that within the buildings, we create this rich palette of materiality that um, speaks to that sort of sense of home that I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. um, beautiful textiles, beautiful, um, I would say really moody stones and woods and, um, and textures that create a really comfortable, unique environment. I think, I think what's uh, really cool to hear you talk about from Baccarat New York, which you didn't work on, um, now you're doing the Baccarat in Miami, but that Baccarat New York is a, like, for me personally, it's like an, an exquisite jewel box of a hotel experience, not just from the design, but also the people. And it's, it's very unique. And then to hear you really, and see you light up so much to talk about this, uh, Eterio, uh, Auberge down in Riviera Maya. It's interesting because that, as you're describing the Eterio, which I, I, I don't have familiarity with, but just hearing you describe it, it's so completely different from Baccarat New York. And there's a unifying thread through that of Kemper 
And it's amazing, like if you think about how different those two experiences are and that how he is a thread between both of them. And that just is a testament to just not doing the same thing over and over and always reinventing. Yeah, you know, it's it's creatives like Kemper um, that we did the one hotel with that we oh and the one hotel oh my god yeah working on with you know on uh, Auberge properties now and and now with you know Tony uh, Machado as the uh, creative director at um, at Starwood with, that we're working on the the Baccarat residences which is you know not only are we making a Baccarat for you know, South Florida, but it's also not hotel, it's residences. So we're, we're interpreting that, um, that idea, you know, into a much more residential kind of setting, but, you know, filled with amenities. So it becomes um, an example of another thing that I think is really interesting that I'd love to, to bring up is, is with branded residences, um, you see the world of hospitality, um, really coming together in these residential buildings where um, hotel resort experience is, um, is, is saturating and taking over the, the way people live. And I think that's, that's an interesting kind of turning of the dial again, where you, um, we're finding that we're creating these experiential hospitality environments for people to live in. And it's, um, it's a good um, example of how these worlds are becoming more and more entwined in this really interesting way. Well, it's also interesting if you go back to your origin story of starting out in residential and now it's almost like going full circle and you've been in this um, hospitality laboratory for so long with the origin in residential and now coming back full circle. And I think it's also interesting how Baccarat as a brand for the crystal and, and all the things that that stands for, they've done such an incredible job of creating this hotel experience, which is to me, hotels and brands, it's, it, it can be, if done well, the, uh, the most completely immersive experience for a brand, right? So Will, um, Go back to a time when you were your first year architecture student, okay? Gray is the fifth year. He's, he's old. He's the, the wise sage there. You're the young 18-year-old freshman. And then you, we want to go back into that space-time continuum, right? You are able to transport back in time to your, in fr- and you right now are standing in front of your 18-year-old self. What kind of... Um, advice do you give yourself? I would say to keep my mind open and try to find uh, the niche where the world appreciates what you do. And when you find it, go for it. I love it. Well, hey, thank you very much. Uh, Before we wrap, how, how can people connect with you? So I would love to hear from anyone out there who's listening. Um, uh, go on MeyerDavis.com. There's info at MeyerDavis.com. Um, or you can email me at WillMeyer at MeyerDavis.com. Awesome. It's simple and easy. Well, Will, I just want to say thank you very much for, for your time. This has just been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you as well, Dan. I love talking to you. And, um, and let's do it again sometime. 
We will. And I just also want to thank our listeners. I hope this talk has evolved your view on how we deliver hospitality and make sure that everyone feels cared for um, in our world. So if you did, if this did change your thinking, please share it with a friend. And thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you. All right. Take well, care. Thanks, man. Bye.